Welcome to Joy Christian Center. We're so glad you joined us today. If you're ever in the St. Cloud area, please join us for one of our 9 or 1045 a.m. services. Our services last about an hour. We pray that today's message will inspire and challenge you. to be able to speak today. We are, we are coming off three weeks of um, really just awesome time of celebration, and Pastor Brian made it very clear. You know, joy isn't joy without you. You are joy. When we talk about Joy Christian Center, that's not us. That's you. You make this church what it is. Only you can do that, and God has placed you here, and God has planted you here, and I believe with all of my heart that he has so much for us in central Minnesota, so much for us to do and be, but it's him doing it. It's him being it. We just get to be a vessel of that. Amen. And I just believe that with all my heart. Now, we did celebrate, and it's been kind of a crazy schedule. I was at softball yesterday, and it was kind of funny and cute all at the same time, because I hear this kind of, we get to hear this kind of stuff, but I heard somebody ask somebody else, so is tomorrow just normal? <laughs> I knew what they meant. I think they were talking about times, and then I was like, never, never, I didn't say that. It's never normal, because you know what? Every week is different, and God is going to speak to you today. I believe that. I get to preach. I'm going to talk today uh, about Bible story, but before I do, I just want to bring up this one slide that says, no God. Uh, we have a visions uh, statement, you know, family church teaching people to reach their world, um, and then we have some mission statements. Uh, you know, we want people to know God, and I want to focus on that one just for a moment. Pastor Brian, last week in, in the message, if you missed it, go watch it online. He probably did as good a job explaining the heart of why we do what we do on Sundays that I've ever heard. And it was just worth listening to if you want to capture the heart of why do we do what we do on Sundays? Why is it this way? And, and part of it comes back to, and I'll capsulize it this way, we want people to know God by experiencing our dynamic services that are geared with all ages in mind. And one thing we know is on Sundays, you're going to come, people are going to come, our heart is that you know God. Now, there are some of you who don't know God at all, like you've never made Jesus Christ a part of your life, you've never asked for forgiveness of sins, you, don't, you have not entered into a relationship with God, and we want you to certainly know God in that way. We want people to be born again, brought out of darkness and into light every time we open the doors. Say amen. amen. All right? That's good. We also, though, want other people who are here on Sundays to know God. 
Maybe you're a Christian, but we want you to know God better than you did before you walked in. That's why our teaching is purposely intensive. It's created with, with you know, the thought of let's communicate the gospel. And we're not great at it. We're getting, Pastor Brian's good at it. We're getting better at it. But let's just present the gospel in a way that's applicable in your everyday life. That you can take the scriptures and put them into play in your life. Why? So that you know God. That's what our Sundays are designed to do is to help each of us, not just the new believer, but each of us know God. So I just want you to hear that, because today, I'm gonna try to do that through the message I'm calling a Bible story. Now, I'm gonna, later in the message, I'm gonna share a Bible story with you, but I have real purpose other than sharing the Bible story itself, which I will do. I wanna talk about Bible stories for a minute. I grew up with some of the best Bible teachers, I think, really, and I hate to say it, because it's like the world is big, but I had, put up the picture. I had two that I can think of. I had more than that. The one on the the one over here on your left, she was a ventriloquist, and I, this was in 1977 to 79, somewhere in there. She taught us Bible stories using a puppet, many puppets, but there was one in particular I didn't like. But anyway, um, <laughs> she used puppets, and actually, he's right there, uh, the, the, the afro, the colored guy there. He, 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 he was like, and I have to explain first of all, if you're a parent and you bring your kids to hear the word of God... Me and my brother, we would sit in, we were the worst kids in classes to have. I don't know why. I know, right? Isn't that horrible? I mean, here's what we did. I thought about this as I was thinking through the week. She was a great teacher because she used a puppet and she caught our attention, but she taught the word of God. I was singing this week a song she used to sing with that puppet. I don't know why I didn't like him that much, but he made me remember things. He was, he, he would get, he was like, he was teasing her all the time. Maybe that's what bothered me. But then I was teasing her too, so I don't know how come I didn't like him. But anyway, I was singing, old name and went down, to the river to dip, old name and went down, to the river to dip, old name and went down. to the. Anyway, if you don't know the Bible story, I can't teach it to you today. It's about a man who was sent by the prophet down to go to the river and dip in the river. I think it was seven times, right? Somebody tell me yes. Seven times. And if he would go be obedient to what God told him to do and dip in the stinky river seven times, he'd be healed. And I still remember that story. And what I remember from that story is that the man did it. He was healed. Who healed him? God healed him. God healed the leprosy, the disease that no one could heal. God did it. And he did it in a crazy way. And I remember that today because of that lady with that ventriloquist. But I was also the kid in the class. I thought about this. And Willie George, he's the guy on the other side. My brother, when my dad went to Ramah in 1979, we went with him, of course. That's a good thing, right? He traveled to Oklahoma, so it was good we went with him. And we, we ended up in sitting under Willie George's children's ministry, and it was the most amazing thing you ever saw, but my brother and I were still those kids. We would sit in that room, and our thing was this. We knew most of the Bible stories for some reason. I don't know, maybe my parents taught them. But we just would like, they would do things in class, like it was great stories, great object lessons, but they would do things, and our objective was to ruin it for the rest of the class. Well, I know. I don't know why you would think that. But you know what's crazy? So first I say that to you. If you have a kid and you're bringing them to church, and they're like, I don't like their own job. Keep bringing them. Your kid's disruptive today. Amen. Did you teach them the word? We're good. Whoop! Because one day, it's coming back in his heart. Because the word of God is incorruptible. And when you teach Bible stories, and when you read Bible stories, I'm telling you right now, they'll change your life. So I'm going to teach you a Bible story, but I want to talk about Bible stories because I want to encourage you to read Bible stories. Now, um, that teacher right there, by the way, he was, he, he, there was one day he silenced me and my brother. We were sitting there and we were getting ready to like, blow his stories, you know, and all of a sudden we were, 
and he came out and he was in a, like a diaper looking thing with cuts and bruises and blood and he was playing the guy in the cave who was possessed with all the demons. Yeah. Me and my... Right? Right? Well, you go read the story. Jesus did something crazy in that dude's life. Mm, that's my Jesus. Right? Well, Willie, he was a great teacher but there's great teachers here at Joy too. Right? I'm going to show you a clip of Willie. I want you to pay, pay, pay close. It's not long, but pay attention. Pay close attention. Go ahead. This is a clip of Willie. Eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child. His name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. There you go, Mr. Rufus. That's Christmas story. Sheriff, I sure appreciate you reading me that there pretty story, and I appreciate you helping out my family, too. <laughs> oh, Rufus, that's the least I can do. It's Christmas time. Now... Some of you don't have a clue why others were laughing. Yeah. That, that was our very own Pastor Tim, and that's a video clip from way back. That was 20 years before I ever even knew who Pastor Tim was. I'll tell you that story in a minute. By the way, Pastor Tim did get saved in that episode. He was in jail, I know, but he did get saved. So I watched the whole thing. He got saved. So uh, hallelujah. Anyway, I showed you that to let you know this. We got some of the best Bible teachers here too. And it's not just Pastor Tim. It's every single person who serves in our children's ministry. Because we go into there with the purpose of what? Sowing the word of God into our children from birth all the way through high school. We want to plant the word of God because it's the word of God that's incorruptible. Amen. Now. We do have some great teachers. I'm going to tell you a side story about Pastor Tim. Now, I tell this story. I don't want to tell this story. I was thinking about it after first. I don't want to tell this story so you go, oh, look, God brought Pastor John here. No, no, no. I want you to hear this from a divine standpoint. Of, I was praying, looking for a church after many years. So I was taught in 1970, I want to say 79, my father went to Rama by Willie George. I, I was born again, filled with the Holy Spirit at that age, and I departed from God. God didn't go anywhere. He was still right there, but I went a different direction. And I spent 20-some years doing that. I was off. I was doing my own thing. I was hurting. I was broken. I, I needed Jesus, and I knew that. Jesus didn't leave me. I just departed him. Well, I decided I was coming back, so I prayed real intently about the kind of church I wanted to be in, okay? And, and, and specifically, guys, this is, I asked for very specific things. I got real specific with God. There was three things I prayed. I said, I want this, this, and this. Well, I ended up coming to Joy on a Wednesday night, and I will tell you, that I can't tell you the whole details, two out of my three prayers were answered the first night I even came to this church. Now, to you, that's nothing. And they weren't, it wasn't like, make the blood moon red, and I will know that this is my church. It wasn't that kind of stuff. It was very simple things, but I was specific with God, and I didn't even tell a lot of people about it. But two out of those three prayers were answered when I came, and I was like, I know I, I found my church. I'm just gonna get planted here, I'm gonna grow, I'm gonna start coming, it's awesome. Now, my wife wasn't coming to church yet, and I got invited to go to dinner at a, a family's house. Um, it was uh, Phil and Darlene. They said, hey, we see you've been around. I was that guy, Pastor Ryan said, I just stuck around. We see you've been around. Would you like to come to dinner? I said, sure. And they invited other couples. Paul and Brian happened to be one of those couples. So I go to this house, and I'm having dinner. And then they start asking me about my story, which I'm like, oh, God, right? It's a long story. That's what I wanted to say. But I said, oh, my dad went to Rama, And then they went, get this. They go, oh, yeah, Pastor Brian graduated from Rama." And I, I'm like going, really? I had no idea, right? So then it got a little weirder because I go, well, I, I had some great children's ministers when I was a kid. This guy, Willie George. Oh, Willie, yeah, we know Willie. I said, no, you don't know Willie. He lives far away. And then they're like, no, Pastor Tim, he does videos with Willie George. I'm like, no, no, you're thinking of a different Willie? <laughs> like I'm trying to convince him that they're wrong. <laughs> and here God brought me to a place that he wanted me to be, right? I'm not saying that because, ooh, look, God brought me here. I'm saying, look what God did for me, right? 
those little tiny details, and all of a sudden I'm sitting there blown away at lunch one day going, can it be? Yep, years later, 20 years I didn't serve the Lord. 20 years later, he brought me back to a church with these weird connections. Good, huh? Right? Let me get back to the Bible story now, because the Bible story is what I want to talk to you about today. Knowing God through Bible stories. Here's what I want you to know. First of all, there is nothing that Hollywood or Disneyland can do to even compare to the craziness in here. I'm totally serious. Like, you think that, oh, I like, I like watching movies. There ain't no movies that can compare to this. There isn't. Now, I like story. I like movies. I watch movies. I'm kind of a movie junkie. No stories that I go watch could compare to the stories in here. So that's the first thing I want you to know. It's in here. And it's for each of us. And, and you know what? They're, they're little and they're big and they're, they're, some of them are medium, but they're all here and they're for us to read. The, I want to read this. The Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They report supernatural events that took place in the fulfillment of specific prophecies and they claim that the writings were divine rather than human in origin. I say all that to say this. I almost wanted to change the name Bible stories because the word story indicates that it didn't happen. I got news for you. If you read it in here, it happened. It's historical in nature. It's true and it's real. And if you read it in here, I'm telling you it happened. Now, if you're like me, you're going to read some of the stories. I'm going to share one today. You go, oh my gosh, that happened? Yep, that's my God. That's what he do. That's what he do, right? So if it's in here, yeah, it's a Bible story, and I want you to get the Bible story, but more than hear the one story, I want you to understand this is what you're supposed to do, is take the word of God, open it up, read it, chew on it, get it, and let the Holy Spirit do something in you. That's what you do. That's what I do. All right, we get the word of God in us. I want you to read them. I want you to know them, and I want you to teach them. And when I was praying this week about teaching them, yes, I'm talking about to our children, but I'm talking about teach them. Do you know that you might bump into somebody tomorrow, and you might hear a story that I share today, and you might, it might come to you, and you might go, I need to tell this person this. Boom, and it's a crazy thing that God did in the story, in the Bible. I looked up one earlier in here. I just, I use this. There's resources. You see, I don't know where to start. This is a children's book for Bible stories. Every single story in here, you can look in here. Now, if you don't want to walk around with this, that's okay, I understand. But you can get an idea in here, and the one in here I read was Breakfast on the Shore. Breakfast on the Shore. Let me tell you, this wasn't a part of my notes. Breakfast on the Shore. Um, Jesus came, lived for a few years. He died. He was crucified. He got put in a cave. His disciples said, that's it. It's over. They went fishing. They were depressed. They were sad. Ever been depressed or sad? Only this section. You guys, you're pretty good. They were depressed and they were sad and that was real. That's a real emotion. That's how they were feeling. Jesus was gone. All of a sudden, they're in the boat. They went to do what they always knew to do, go fishing. Right, Nick? We go fishing. We go fishing. They went fishing and all of a sudden, while they're fishing, all of a sudden, some guy on shore goes, hey, come here. I got breakfast. Who was that someone? Peter's like, I think it's Peter. Don't give me, I didn't study this story coming into today. I think it was Peter though. He like, Rips off part of his outer clothes and jumps in the water and starts swimming to shore. It's Jesus! That's not even the story I'm focusing on. Why do I tell you that? Because there's a story that you can read. Maybe, maybe the story tomorrow that you tell a coworker is, Jesus cares about you. Jesus cares about you. It's like he cared about Peter. You think he cared about Peter? Doesn't care about me? I'm sorry, I take the Bible personal. If he cares about Peter, he'll care about me, doesn't he? See, that's what you do. So these stories, get one, get one, get one. Start easy, start simple. Just get a story, read the story. 
But don't just read the story to just read the story. Read the story to know the story. And then read the story and get to know the story and let God work in you. Why? So you can tell it to others. The Bible stories are the best to do that with. Because you sometimes in church, we think, and especially if I ask questions in first, I probably won't today because I got scared in first when I did. We ask questions, people are like, I don't want to give the wrong. You know it's okay to not know the answer? Do you know what? Hey, baby, Because that's where I am. You know where I get the answer, though? Right here. So it's okay to think, I don't know, but you don't got to know everything. Just learn Bible stories because in the Bible stories are the things that you need to carry then that you, then now you know. Well, all I know is he fed a man by the breakfast. He made fish. I always wonder where to get the fish. And then I think, why do I wonder where he got the fish when all he said in the, out there in the, in the wilderness feeding people is fish be, and they were? But I'm going, I wonder where he got the fish. Uh, Pastor John. What do you mean, where did I get the fish? That's what God would tell me. I'm sorry. Um, so there's the Bible stories. The other thing that I have is you're going to get great resources like this. this. I had this in my office for years. It's Hayford. Any, you get resources that tell you about Bible stories. Why? So that when you're reading the Bible story, you can go online and look it up. Okay? And you can look and you can go, oh, look at, the, look at the things that they teach me about that story and about that time and about how much the coin was worth that, you know, Peter ends up pulling out of the fish's mouth. You can look up other things to help you with the story. Now, I'm not telling you that so you all get Hayford's book. I'm telling you so that you understand. Everybody can do this. Say everybody. Every person in here can do this, all right? That's what I want you to understand. Um, now, I, t I want you to do this because God's stories have a purpose. Romans 15 and 4 says this. Whatsoever things were written aforetime, there's a big word, <laughs> were written for our learning that we, through patience and comforts of the scriptures, would have hope. I heard this taught to me years ago. When I read stories in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, they were written for my learning and for my sake. These stories were written for your learning and your sake. Everybody say, my learning, my learning. and my sake. So when we read a story out of the Bible and you meditate on a story out of the Bible, that was written for your learning and for your sake. Even the story I'm gonna read today which has Elijah in it. You know Elijah's not real worried about that story today. I'll tell you later how he went away, because that's a good story too. But I need Elijah's story today, because Elijah's story has God in it, and I need God. So these stories were written for our learning and for our sake, so we need to learn them, we need to know them, we need to get into them. It is for my learning and my sake. I like this too. I read this earlier this week. Spiritual disciples devour God's word because it's in, it, it is the key to more dynamic relationship with their living Lord and a greater availability to the Holy Spirit. Because here's what happens. When you get the word of God in you and you think, well, I'm just reading a Bible story. The Bible story is the word of God. And when the word of God is going into you, it's getting into your heart. And the Bible says, when, when the word comes, faith comes. Faith is the currency in the kingdom of God. And so when you're reading a Bible story, faith is coming and you're getting the currency of the kingdom of God. You know what that means? You're getting stronger. You know what else? The Holy Spirit now has something to work with. Oh, so don't think of it as just some of this little story. I want you to embrace these things and I want you to understand they will change your life because in them is the word of God and the word of God is incorruptible. And when the word comes, faith comes. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because you have to have faith to come to God because you must believe first that he is and second, that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Mm. He said that, it's in here. I did. He said, if you come to me, you gotta believe first that I am, that's faith. And when you come to me with faith, you're gonna be blessed. That's what he says. That's what he says. So I'm gonna take him at his word and then I'm gonna open up my Bible and I'm gonna read Bible stories. 
Woo! So I'm gonna set this one up for you first, the players in the stage, because I'm getting ready to tell you a story. The story is Elijah. The story is the man of God. He is a prophet, he's a man of God. His name is Elijah, okay? Just think of him as the man of God. Elijah is the man of God. Then you have the king, his name is Ahab. Ahab is a wicked king. Now, when I say wicked king, I want you to understand something. He wasn't the king of some other nation. He was the king of the people of God. So he was the king of God's chosen people, but he was wicked, all right? Now, the word wicked, the word wicked is really means twisted. Now, some of you are old enough that you had wicker furniture. If, if the rest of you don't know what that is, you don't care. But those of us who knew what wicker furniture was, it was twisted. That's where the word wicked, it wicked, twisted. Ahab was a twisted king of, though, the people of God. That's important to remember, all right? And his wife, her name was Jezebel. Now, for some reason, even the world knows who Jezebel was. They don't even know anything about the Bible, but they know that Jesus turned water into wine and there was Jezebel, right? Which is a start. I shouldn't make fun of it. It's a start. Jezebel, I said it this way. She was, if he was wicked, her husband was wicked, she was more wickeder. And then I said it, and I said, I don't think that's a word, but I put it in there anyway. She was, no, I didn't. My, my folks corrected it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I had, in my notes I have, she was wickeder. Because if he was bad, she was worse. And that was his wife. And they were leading the people of God, Okay. The place was the northern kingdom of Israel, and the capital was Samaria. So you need to know that. And the people specifically that we're going to talk about in the story were 10 of the tribes of Israel. There was 12 tribes. These were 10 of them. Why only 10? Because the nation of Israel now was split, and there were two tribes that were being served under one nation, and there were 10 under another. And these 10 were where King Ahab had control. These 10 was the people of God that we're now going to focus on because there's, there's something getting ready to happen with the prophet, the king, his wife, and the people. The backstory: King Ahab has introduced Baal worship to God's people. King Ahab has introduced Baal worship to God's people. So what he did is he said, well, I'll read it to you this way. 1 Kings 16, 33. Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So in other words, he was, he was wicked more so than any other servant had ever been before. And he introduced another God for the people of God to begin worshiping. That crazy? That alone is crazy, right? We think, well, that's crazy. Well, I don't know if it's that crazy. I think it could be happening all over the world today. Right? He introduced another God for them to serve. But you notice God was provoked to anger uh, because of what was being done. And I wanted to share that with you. Now I'm going to ring it out. I'm going to tell you some other things. I don't think this is up there, but just listen to me. The prophet tells the wicked king, there's no rain and no dew going to come on this land till I say so. Think about that for a minute. The man of God says, hey, king, no rain. Stuff you're doing, it's bad. No rain till I say. And I like the next part. Then God tells the prophet, you better get out of here. <laughs> Go read it. It's crazy, right? I'm giving you some backstory. He tells the prophet, you better get out of here. So the prophet runs off in the wilderness. Now, while he's in the wilderness, this isn't my story, but this is a cool part. You can read it. Uh, you have a Bible. Uh, birds bring, there's, there's drought because there's no rain. Birds start bringing in food for the prophet. So every day the birds bring in food for the prophet to eat. Isn't that cool? Wake up, look around. Here comes breakfast. There was a brook. 
God gave him water. God made him, put him by a brook so he had water and food. And God does that for the prophet. He takes care of his people. God sends him then when the brook dries up and the birds stop coming because things change. Then he says, okay, now I want you to go to this, I'm gonna ruin you. I want you to go to this widow woman's house. Widow, not little, widow. (laughs) If Pastor Ryan ever tells a story, he says widow woman. And I'm always like, widow or little? She was a widow woman. And she had a son and he sends the prophet there. Now, the, she provides for the prophet. And in doing so, the blessing she gets is later in the story, her son dies and the prophet raises him from the dead. Elijah raises her boy from the dead. Guess what? That ain't even my story yet. Wow. Now, three years have passed. There's been no rain, no dew in the land. The Bible says now there was great famine in the land. And it was, can you imagine three years with no rain, no dew? Not even dew in the ground? Because the prophet said, that's what's gonna happen. And now three years of that has gone by. (laughs) Right? So I think, just dry, food, hunger, no water. Oh my gosh. Now God tells the prophet, okay, it's been three years. Go Go tell the king, the wicked king, go tell him it's time. Time for what? Rain. Go tell him it's time for rain. Now, I'm not even going to talk about the rain again, but that's what he told. The, this, I'm setting it up. Right there is where we pick up the story. God tells, now, you go tell the king it's time for rain. So off the prophet goes, being obedient to God, right? He's not fond of going to the king. I want you to know that. Because the king's a little angry, should I say? So off he goes. And then we have the showdown on Mount Carmel. Now, attach your bulletin, I put the story. I didn't do this again so that you have this story, because this story's in your Bible. I only did this because I'm gonna read the story, and I want you to be able to read along. But I hope you understand it's not just about this story, okay? But we're gonna read this one. And I guess part of it is so I can show you exactly how long this takes. Everything I just told you, by the way, the setup for that, everything to set up for the story, it's in the previous chapters, the majority of it, a couple chapters. You could have got that in five minutes without me. But here's the story that I want to focus on. So you got the backstory. You know where they're at. Now he's going back to the king to tell him rains are coming. We pick it up in 1 Kings 18, and it says this. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah. Ahab said to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all of Israel to me on Mount Carmel the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and he gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel and Elijah came to all the people and he said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left I, am a, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls. Let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood. But put no fire underneath it, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, and I will put no fire under it. And then you call in the name of your gods, and I will call in the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. 
So all the people answered and said, okay, it's well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull, which was given them, and they prepared it. And they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which with they had made, and so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them. And he said, cry aloud, for he is God. Either he is meditating or he is busy. Maybe he's on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping, and he must be awakened. He's teasing them. So they cried louder, and they cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice. I'll say that again. There was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two somethings of seed. See, it's okay to do that too once in a while. And he put the wood in order, and he cut the bull in pieces, and he laid it on the wood, and he said, fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time, and they did it a second time. And then he said, do it a third time, and they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, and it also filled the trench around the altar with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and he said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people would know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. It consumed the wood and the stones and the dirt, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, and he executed them there. Great ending, Pastor John. Right, it ain't, you got that right. It ain't my story, it's God's story. Now, I read that, it took about three minutes. I read that, you can do this. You can get up, you can read a Bible story. I tell you this, read, read the story. Just read through it once. Now, what's gonna happen, it happened to me once in that story, I didn't even know it was gonna, but you get to a part where there's something you don't understand. Something, seeds of Sheol, something. You know what, the first time you're reading the story, just read through the story. This is my encouragement to you, okay? Don't get hung up yet. Now, if you read it the first time, then I want you to pray and say, God, I thank you for your word and your word teaches me. And then I want you to read the story again. Now, this is the second time through, you might find things you wanna look up. Now, the reason I say that to some of you to read it first, then pray and then read it again, because if you start getting distracted right out of the gate, squirrel. Okay? My point is, some of you will go to look up that word, and before you even, you'll be on six other things, and then time to go to work. You missed the whole story. <laughs> Don't do that. Read the story first, then pray, then read it again, okay? 
And then when you read it the second time, you might want to dig a little deeper or look into your resources or find out what that word means. Okay, I didn't take the time to do that. Angela's looking at me. No, I'm just teasing because I'm looking at her. Read through it. Pray, read. And then draw from God's word. What do you draw? I'm going to give you some things I drew out of this story. I really, really prayed about this. These are things I drew out of this story. They may or may not. My point isn't to teach you this story today as much as it is to teach you the principles of how to do God's word. Because if you can do that, you can do that tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. I love to preach. I'm going to preach. Pastor Brian, we're going to teach you the word. Amen? Amen. But you can do this yourself. So I'm going to give you the things I drew out. Maybe I asked this in the first. I will do this. Somebody tell me something about that story about God you learned. Quick. He is faithful. Amen. He is faithful. I wonder, and these are things I wonder when I read the stories, and it's okay to wonder, but go back to the word to get the truth, okay? But I do wonder. We know there was a drought, right? I wonder if while the prophet's pouring water on that thing, he's going, oh, Jesus. Well, he wasn't saying Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. There's a wicked king over here. You know what kings have? Armies. And I wonder if he, you know, now, he did it. He was still obedient, wasn't he, Tommy? He still did what God asked him to do. And I'll bet you that he was inside going, I know God's faithful. Somewhere in him, he's going, I know God's faithful. I know God's faithful. When I pray, much good things happen. So he knew God was faithful. Now, I got a question for you. Since you say he was faithful, do you think after this story, Elijah could lean back on this story and go, God's faithful? That's what he's going to do for you. He's going to teach you who he is. He's going to teach you that he's faithful so that three years later when you're going through something else, you can look back on your story and go, he's faithful. God's got this. God's got this. So I'm going to give you some of the things I drew out of it, but I want you to understand it's about you understanding that you can get a God story. You can learn. God wants to teach you through his word. God wants the Holy Spirit to work in your everyday life. First thing I got is this. The people's hearts were divided. They wanted both God and Baal. I want you to hear this. The people, it wasn't that they had rejected the God of Israel. It's that they wanted God and Baal. They wanted their cake and eat it too. And God, listen, my next point is, God is a jealous God. Now, when I say that, we in this world... There's a scripture that says God, our God is a jealous God. That verse, does, we think jealous bad, right? That's what we think, right? Like jealousy in our world has a negative connotation, yes? Okay, I think so. This word is not negative at all. What it means is God is all about you. He loves you. He thinks about you. He sent his son to die for you. He wants to spend every waking moment with you. He's a jealous God in that he can't stop thinking about you. That's what that means. It doesn't mean he's mean. It doesn't mean he's angry. It means he's in love with you so much that he's thinking about you all the time. So when the people were serving him and serving Baal, I think he broke God's heart. I think he was just wanting his people to know I'm God. There is no God like me. Serve me, don't serve two gods, serve me. That's what the Bible means when it says he's a jealous God. That's just what I took. You take what God wants you to have. He's a jealous God in a good way. He loves you. My daughter's sitting on the front row. Madeline, God loves you. Daddy loves you. You agree? 
You know your daddy loves you? There's a God in heaven who loves you more. 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 Some of you had earthly daddies that didn't love you. They weren't good to you. That's not who God is. He's a good God. He loves you, and he's thinking about you all the time, and he's a jealous God. So if you're giving your attention to other things, get it back to him. Why? Because he is faithful. Amen? Amen? What else? Sometimes being obedient to God will not make any sense. I'm going to tell a friend. Uh, the, we got some young, young guys, young gals. Uh, I'm old, I guess. Anyway, they're younger. And they're going to help us with a part of our story where we want people to know God. And I was talking to them. And she made a statement like, people, my friends, they don't understand why I go to church even. Do you know that to a world who doesn't know God, that doesn't make sense sometimes? Do you get that? You're going to do things in your Christian walk that make no sense. It was a drought. I'm even trying to figure out myself why he was pouring water on dirt when there was a drought and a famine. What are you doing? Even people who were with him were going, Amen. Just get the fire. Forget the water. We need the water. Christianity won't always make sense. Don't stop. Don't stop. I have to choose who I serve is the next thing. I have to choose who I serve. You have to choose who you serve. Pure and simple. Everything I'm telling you is backed up by the word of God somewhere else. I'll get to that in a second. Sometimes our thinking is off. Can I share with you in this story where the prophet's thinking is off? Do you know that God, God does what God does despite his people? Who? You and me. Because God is God. The prophet, he ain't perfect. He's a prophet. He ain't God. Neither are you and neither am I. But God has this crazy thing where he likes to show off despite us. Because that's who he do. That's what he is. You want to know the prophet's mistake there? It's, it's there and then it comes up again later. He says, I am one. I am one prophet of God. You are many. Later, he's hiding in a cave. This very same man in another chapter, two later, one later, he's hiding in a cave and he's going, I'm all alone. There's nobody else serving God, just me. And God goes, who told you that? I got all kinds of people. You just don't know about them. But God did not use the prophet either. Do you see that? Even though the prophets think it was off. He still trusted God. He still was obedient. He still did what God asked him to do. And God showed up because that's what God does because he's faithful. Amen. But the prophet, even in that story, I am one and you are 400. I think God's in heaven going, just keep doing what you're told. That's what <laughs> Just keep doing what you're told, would you? I think he says that to me almost every day. <laughs> Sorry, this is my story told you you get what you want I get what I want <laughs> and then here's the last couple God is I, I just wrote it this way God is God is what yep God is God is what yep he's powerful yep he's smart yep he's bigger than everything else yep he's a healer yep he can take care of things just fine yep God is you know Jesus said I am that I am there's one part, I forget which story in the New Testament, one of the Gospels, when he says, I am, it says the guards went and fell over. Woo! He is. Everybody say, he is. He is. 
There you go. Thank you. Then here, because he is, I can relax. I can relax. When my day is not going good, my wife, my wife, this week, I would get all intense. She would start rubbing me. And I knew it meant this. Relax. Do you know that I read Bible stories? It's God's way of going, relax. Really, relax. God's got this thing. Remember, remember what? Remember that he was the God who did that back then. You know what? He's the God who will do it tomorrow. This world's full of people who think they're God. They're no longer God more than that clock is God. They're not. There's one God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He sent Jesus Christ to earth to show who he was. He shed his blood so I could be saved. Now I get to be friends with him. Guess what? I can relax and I can remember. Amen? That's what we're supposed to do. There's a reason that the word is called bread, light, and water. You eat it. You drink it. It lets you see. What you are shown when you're breaking down the word of God this way, tomorrow morning or Wednesday morning when you read a Bible story and you hold on to it and you meditate on it and you go throughout your day and you know what? You're doing what your boss told you to do. You're working with your coworkers, but you're still meditating on that Bible story. Why? Because that Bible story is right here in you. And you still do your work and you do it better than all the other people and you still listen to your boss and you be obedient. But while you're doing that, you're meditating on that story. Because the Holy Spirit's working, and he's showing you things, and now you're becoming something, right? And God will show up, and he will show off on your behalf. That's what he do. You do this in your quiet time. Now, here's the other thing. Anything you get from a truth from the word of God, it will always be backed up by the word of God. I told you God's a jealous God. I took that out of the story. You know, the Bible somewhere else says that. Now, you, didn't, you don't need to know all the other things that it says. What I'm telling you is there isn't a truth that you won't get out of that story that the Holy Spirit doesn't give you that won't be backed up somewhere else. Sometimes you're going to flip open your Bible the next day to a whole different place in the Bible, and you're going to see it and go, wait, that's the same. Uh-huh. One God. Old Testament, New Testament. One God. Two covenants. Here's the cool thing about Old Testament stories. This is why we can't lose them. They're awesome and they show God's character. But then the New Testament says, hey, remember all the things in the Old Testament? They were pretty cool, huh? And we go, yeah. God goes, I gave you a better covenant based on better promises. (laughs) Elijah wishes he had what I have. Jesus hadn't come yet. Jesus hadn't redeemed the human race. Jesus hadn't shed his blood. The Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out when Elijah was here, but he has now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Draw from God's word. The things that you read, he'll back up. It will guide you. It will give you what you need for today. Here's the most important part. It will then become a part of your story. Every story you read in the Bible will become then a part of the story that really matters. Your story. Say my story. Because God wants to be your story. God wants to work in your life and your story is what matters today to God. Amen? I love you, church. I hope you certainly drew something today. But more importantly, I hope you got thirsty. Thirsty for the word. Thirsty for the fact that you can do this. Thirsty for the fact that God wants to do this with you. Say amen. All right, I'm going to pray for you. Close your eyes, bow your heads. If you're here today and something drew you to church, 
Maybe you were gone, but now you came back. Maybe you're here for the first time. And there's been something in you like there was in me 20 years ago. And now you're realizing it's God. And he wants to heal you and he wants to, he wants to clean you up. You don't have to do that. You can't do it, but he wants to. It happens with the relationship with Jesus Christ. And today you can make him Lord simply by believing in him. The Bible says if you believe that he was, he came to earth, he died, and he rose again for you, you will be saved. If you're here today and you've never done that, I want to do it with you. I'll pray with you. Raise your hand. Raise your hand and I will pray with you. Thank you, brother. Anybody else? Two. Thank you. Anybody else? Two for sure. Three. Amen. Thank you. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right. I'm going to ask everybody to pray. You've done this before. I'm going to pray words of salvation. I want you to pray them to God, though. So I'll keep them simple, but I want us all to pray them because these are the things, the truths that make us free. It's in God's word. Say, dear God, I thank you that you always had a plan. You love me. I believe that. Jesus Christ was your plan. He came to earth, he lived, he shed his blood for my sins. He rose again, and today, I choose Jesus. I put my faith in you, God. I ask you to cleanse me, I ask you to never leave me, and never forsake me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made a decision today to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we would love to hear about it please email us or contact us through our website, greatjoy.org.